0: This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest.
1: Hi, I'm Tyler Foley. I'm the author of The Power to Speak Naked, a father, husband, son, seeker of warm beaches, and lover of fine chocolate. And I am excited to be here today.
0: That's a fantastic intro. I love all those details. I feel like it could apply to so many different platforms, like all your social media, any kind of, you know networking. and that's a great intro. Thank you for thank you for being here to begin with. and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So today, we are talking to Tyler Foley. And our big question is going to be, or is, how can lawyers give better presentations? And Tyler has extensive background. He's written a book about this. And so we're going to talk more in detail. But Tyler, let's just start. What's, what's the first area that you would talk about in terms of lawyers and presentations and where it's all going wrong?
1: Well, unfortunately, it's kind of, ingrained in the profession that when a lawyer or to be honest any professional speaks this is this applies to accountants this applies to doctors (laughs) like if you if you are in some form of professional capacity and you're given the platform to speak i think the false conception is that you need to speak the whole time and you need to fill that air and I think a lot of that, particularly from a legal profession, because when you're giving an opening statement or a closing statement, that that's kind of your time to speak and, and give. But remember that during the and, and this is, you know, if you are actually going to trial and I realize that the majority of legal work is not actually trial work, that it's a lot of one on one or, or one on a few working within a boardroom scenario, but this applies in either scenario. Uh, a lot of times you're having a dialogue. You're speaking, you're getting information and somebody is then returning. And when you're giving a presentation, any presentation, that is really the key to have a dialogue as opposed to a monologue. There was a really interesting study that was done that showed you'll have 92% engagement with your audience. So that is, if you had a hundred people, 92 of them would be tuned into your message if you are including them in the conversation.
0: Yeah. And then did they, did they measure what happens if
1: you don't? Yep. goes down to 78.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. And
1: I would argue that... that it's actually more, but that, that was the their yeah. version of engagement was, could people uh, recall what was said?
0: Okay. So that's a pretty low bar. So this leads right into the next question. So how do you do that? How do you have that engagement? Because, a lot of the clients that we work with, a lot of the, the lawyers, I feel like there's a lot of different buckets when we talk about presentations and speaking. There's what you talked about being in a trial. There's that interaction with the potential client. But I have a lot of clients who also actually give kind of speaking, they do speaking at events and things like that. So how do you engage when you're up on a stage and you've got like a PowerPoint?
1: So here, first of all, lose the damn PowerPoint. Oh, <laughs> <sure. laughs> there is a reason that my book is called the power to speak naked and the the the, there's many many layers to that title but one of them is to be able to give a raw presentation you don't need a powerpoint powerpoint is going to be the biggest thing that gets your audience to disengage because a it's telling them and there's a there's a there's something about priming it's okay to prime your audience so that they can have an expectation of what's coming but if you're just going to tell them you might as well have given them a handout and walked away yeah like right exactly powerpoint is is misunderstood and and misused if you look at really good stage presenters they will use the powerpoint for the graphic right a picture speaks a thousand words so you put up a graphic a single graphic you are saving yourselves theoretically 16 minutes worth of speaking because the average person speaks around 60 words a minute (laughs) it's the same as our heartbeat right so if we're speaking 60 words a minute and a picture speaks a thousand words a graphic, theoretically, will help you with 16 minutes of content, give or take. That's some rough math. It's not quite fully there. Yeah, but that's cool. I love right? that. But as soon as you start putting the text on it, what is that? <laughs> that's words. <laughs> There's just words. You're ruining you're it. You're ruining it. Yeah. You're, now you're taking away from the visual that was there. And so you, the, the, the PowerPoint is going to be the first one. Because the other thing is, too, is at that point, you're going to be so tempted to get lazy with your presentation and start reading off the PowerPoint. So the best way to engage your audience is to talk to your audience.
0: Yes. I'm thinking of two examples that have been spinning through my head as you're talking. I'm thinking about Steve Jobs, of course, because he was just like, you know, the trailblazer for these kinds of presentations where he stands in front of a black stage black screen and there's like one word or one picture or a photo of an iphone so steve jobs and then also ted talks i mean ted talks have become like the the definition of how to do a great talk and you don't ever see ted talks there it's all graphics or images and there's no text overlay and there's definitely no like Five levels of bullets and sub bullet points in full, complete sentences that someone is reading from.
1: Well, and and the thing is, is even a bad TED talk. So you look the the difference between an, an incredible TED talk, like those you know the ones that are getting the ten million views, and somebody who has made the TED platform. So they they have some engagement they 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 can give a presentation that has something to think about but maybe doesn't have that engagement you look at the difference and i promise you the ones that have the highest engagement are the ones that included the audience in the interaction
0: ah that's so good they may
1: not have actually been talking to them like i like to talk to my audience i will ask questions who agrees with this who's experienced something like this how do you feel about that especially if i can get somebody who has a counter view I love to explore a counter view because tell me more about that. Why do you feel that way? Can you give me an example? Let me give you an example of why I feel this way. And that's, and I mean, you can have that conversation. It's wonderful. Can't always do that, right?
0: No, but anytime you're telling a story when you have a villain, you have to have a villain. And I've seen a great quote where it's like, Harry Potter without Voldemort is just a kind of sad little boy. You know, like it's not a very great story. You have to have... The villain in the story. And so if you can find a way even in your presentation to kind of play to that counterpoint and really get people emotionally connected in there,
1: you're solid. Yeah. One of the mentors that I work with calls it throwing rocks. Like, who are you going to who are you going to throw rocks at? And like for me, it, it was so hard because like w- one of the things that I talk about in my book is the thing you're afraid to say is probably what your audience needs to hear. One of the things that I was terrified of to say because i didn't want to offend anyone was that i absolutely despise toastmasters and i think it's ruining good speakers (laughs) i I was terrified to, to publicly say that for years
0: that is so good okay so let's let's talk about that because I really think like that's the, the, here's the villain in our story for this podcast <laughs> let's let's talk about Toastmasters for a minute and like what they're doing wrong in terms of this this whole. <laughs> for those of you who are listening he is just shaking his head (laughs) this will be on youtube so that you can enjoy the visuals of that if you want to go and you know give me a couple clicks over on youtube as well but okay so let's dig in to toastmasters what is wrong with their approach
1: oh Karin, this is we only have like 15 (laughs) minutes left right so here's the thing i think before i just Completely decimate them. What Toastmasters does well is give people a place to feel safe to speak in public. Bless their hearts for doing that. Because I think that's important. The problem is, every, they're so structured that you don't have any freedom or flexibility. And when they get really good speakers there, they just assume that you've mastered their technique. And <laughs> You're like, no, I don't need to worry about how many ums or filler words I use. We use those in natural speech. You want to have your presentation sound natural.
0: Natural, yeah.
1: You need to have some of those in there. And you can't be terrified and petrified of them. But what you do need to is have so much confidence in your messaging and know your material so good that you don't need to use them often. That's one of the first things. The the other thing to God, get off the script. You want to make your audience offer them a lobotomy before offering them a scripted presentation. And I don't think Toastmasters fully understands that.
0: Yeah. It seems like they've just, they've got, they've got their script, for lack of a better word, but they've got their template and they created it however many decades ago. And then they have not adjusted with the the times and I think maybe a script way back when that was that was good and comfortable for those people who are just getting started in that but that's just not where anybody is at anymore and that's not where kind of corporate speaking is anymore either I think maybe way back in the day that was that was the appropriate way to present things but now with the internet and social media everybody wants to you know feel like they know and trust those people and if you sound scripted that's that's not trustworthy they're going to instantly kind of pull back and think i'm waiting for the sales pitch and that you know it doesn't it, it just doesn't resonate
1: here's the thing if you need to have a script that's fine like when i do my presentations i do say the same things very often very similarly and i make sure that my opening and my close are scripted because a if you don't have a scripted close you're going to talk forever
0: Right. Right. So you need to know that,
1: like, for me, it's a mental cue. Once I start saying these words, we're about to drop the mic and call it a day. And people will argue, you know, well, you know, some of the greatest speeches in in the world have been scripted. And I would say, yes, I agree with you, but they forget how long they were. So, like, the one that instantly springs to my mind, the Gettysburg Address is 272 words and was delivered in less than two minutes.
0: I totally thought of the Gettysburg Address as soon as you said that.
1: It's like four and seven years ago. It come. was <laughs> written on a napkin, and there are five versions of it. And Lincoln was going over and playing with wordplay, so he did script it so that he could have the most impact. But the thing is, is every word that he used mattered, and it was only two minutes. You want to do a scripted thing in two minutes, that's fine, because the your audience doesn't have time to get bored, particularly back then. I mean, we have a little less of an attention span now. So you might need to keep your scripted stuff to like 30 seconds to a minute. But be in between that, you need to fill that with your knowledge, your expertise, and, and be able to be comfortable just knowing what the bullet. If you want to memorize something, memorize your bullet points.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you also say, and your book is based on this, you should not visualize people naked. So let's go into that. Why are we not supposed to visualize people naked? I mean, first of all, I don't want to do that. That's that's gross. <laughs> but but that's a little bit of a controversial statement because that's where you know my fourth grader who's learning public speaking they they all say that okay, calm down, just picture everybody in their underwear. You know, it's
1: like gross. But why? And that's the thing. Like this is this universal truth, and I want to know where it came from. I want to know. I have guessed because I I, I don't think anybody knows. I would love to sit down with the first person who said that. They're like, oh, you want to feel good on stage? Picture your audience. Picture your audience in their underwear. you know. And I, I can only surmise that it came from trying to gain comfort out of somebody else's discomfort, which to me is masochistic. Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: and that's right? just not and, nice. And like, exactly.
1: Yeah. And to yeah. me, your audience is sacred. If somebody has showed up to hear what you have to say, you have a duty to to deliver and to hold their attention as a sacred gift and it doesn't matter who the audience is you could be having a conversation with your spouse they've come and they want to talk to you that interaction becomes sacred and you know you wouldn't be talking well maybe your spouse you might be picturing naked but that's for later times that's a
0: different yeah (laughs) that's (laughs) a different scenario
1: but for your audience first of all it's a waste of mental power right? If we've already discovered that trying to memorize a script is a waste of mental power because you need to be connected to, in order to really truly connect with your audience, you need to connect with their heart. In order to connect with their heart, you need to be connected with your heart, which means you need to be grounded and centered within you. You need to be comfortable in your own skin. So the majority of your prep work should be going to making sure that you know you inside and out. Then you know your material and your material, not your script, But be an actual expert of your thing. If you're there to be speaking on the law, what type of law do you practice? And and what is this new thing that has you up there? Because somebody asked you to be there to present. So you are the authority of whatever that little bit of information. And that's all you have to be the authority on. You don't need to know the whole practice of law. Right, you just need to know this little bit. If you specialize in realty law, speak about realty law. You speak about divorce. Speak about divorce, like, or even subgenres of that, like whatever it, it, it is you want to speak on. Constitutional law, speak on constitutional law. Like, know what you know. And be comfortable in it. That's what you need to memorize. You don't need to memorize these individual scripts. Know the journey you want to take your audience on. But by picturing them naked, you're, how much mental power is that taking? Like, why are you <laughs> that's doing so it? So gross. And, and then, how is that serving them? Because if, if if everybody knows that, they're like, I wonder if this person is picturing me naked. Do they know that I'm wearing a good bra? Like, do they know that? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. like, like exactly. why? 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 So weird. It's just, it yeah. is. It is. It is bizarre. It is masochistic. It is a waste of, of brain power. It is just doesn't and serve it's Disrespectful.
0: Anyone. Like you said, if you hold your audience sacred, you're really disrespecting them and bringing them down to this really superficial level that has nothing to do with that whole relationship between you and your audience.
1: And tell me the last time uh, it actually worked. Right. To, I don't it's know heavy. anybody who's I, 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 I would. I, and to be honest, I don't know that I've ever tried but I don't know that I ever want to try, (laughs) but even if I did, like, how does it, I want, I, please in the comments, wherever, right. If you have used this technique and it has worked for you, I want to interview you. Please reach out to me. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Because I, I feel the same way. Every time I've ever heard that you basically, whoever is doing the instructing on this idea mentions it and then you get a couple giggles and then they move on. And it's like, Okay, well is that idea just because you have no other ideas about how to present and then you got to giggle and so like that's that's the end of that interaction? It just doesn't make any sense. So, the flip side of that, point and that question and kind of leading through the things that you were talking about where you as a lawyer present your information. You know your details. Why then is it important to tell the stories of those details instead of overwhelming with all of the legal mumbo jumbo of that of that information
1: because stats tell but stories sell and any lawyer worth their salt knows that it doesn't matter what's going on up in the mind, especially in a jury trial if you're you know, just with a judge, you, the judge is probably going to be a little bit more analytical, so you're probably going to want to throw <laughs> in a few more stats. But if you're on a jury trial or if you're a keynote presenter or if you're trying to talk to a potential client and you're trying to get them on, all the legal mumbo-jumbo does is confuse them, right? Where if, if the real way to reach somebody and, and get them to change their mind, you don't actually change their mind, you change their heart.
0: Yes, and I feel like so many lawyers get this wrong because they regularly think that their job is to present their knowledge. And we even had a comment recently on one of the shows where they said, what's with all this? And I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, I don't really, you know, buy into all this woo woo stuff about, you know, this branding and all, you know, kind of having a brand behind your firm and engaging some of us just went to law school to be trial lawyers. And like this guy was specifically a trial lawyer and was not connecting the dots between speaking to a jury and kind of using the emotions of their decision. So, you know, where does that all how does that all play out?
1: Well, so if we are speaking to an analytical audience, which we are, and if they want to see the numbers and they want to see the science behind it, I would encourage any one of your listeners anyone right now to go and look into heart math heart math is a fascinating study done by doctors about the connection between the brain and the heart so the heart and the stomach actually have neurons in them the same material that you have in your brain the difference is your brain has neurons that fire consciously and they have neurons that fire subconsciously your heart's neurons are all subconscious there is no conscious thinking in your heart there is no conscious thinking in your stomach slash gut when we talk about a gut reaction that's a real thing there are neurons in your stomach going i don't think this is right yeah. there's so, neurons in your heart that's with the nacho cheese yeah. that did not did, work. why yeah. did you do that to me again yeah. we've had this conversation yeah. and your heart does the same thing your heart knows when it's in alignment with your brain so this heart math yes. study one of the things that they did was they took the ekg so the electrocardiogram and then i can't remember what the the brain ones are the e
0: mri the, well, or, the, the, the yeah.
1: something e something g whatever the brain is and when they track those because you're just a series of electrical pulses right so you can track the electrical fields that are going through all electrical fields when they're passing a current all have a magnetic field so that's how you know a lot of these magnetic resonance looks and when you're doing an mri that's looking at magnetic so your heart and your head have sinusoidal waves right so they're electrical pulses they go through and they make a little wave boop 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 boop, boop. and we all are familiar with what that looks like Well, when your heart and your head are in alignment, when your heart believes what your head is saying, those sinusoidal waves line up. Now, here's the thing. When you have two magnetic fields that are in resonance, and remember, your brain is away from your heart, so they have two separate magnetic fields. When you have two magnetic fields that are in resonance, they expand, they grow. And there's an actual magnetic field so you can actually feel the presence. If you've ever been... And and here's how you can... You want to tie the science to the woo-woo. If you have ever been to a concert or if you've ever been to a live performance and for me, it's musical because music just touches me and you can feel this tingles go through your spine. Your heart and your head are in alignment and you can feel the electromagnetic field within... The room, right? When you can, when you feel the room is alive, right? That's not a thing that you can describe, really. But you you have to feel it, and that's what happens when you get your your head and heart in alignment.
0: Okay, so this, so what you're describing is in terms of like a jury. So you're describing their the kind of process to where they're listening and taking in the information, and then they're believing it is that is that a correct tra- translation yeah. okay. so
1: what we need to understand is that to get the head and heart into alignment the heart has to agree with the head not the other way around so in order to get that to happen you need to experience what the information that you're getting in a full body way and if i'm in just in an emotional in way an emotional way way. going to speak to your heart exactly you need yes. to speak to the heart okay. not to the head so if i'm trying to sway a jury which, man, I hope every lawyer listening here, if you're trying to be a jury lawyer, you want to go to trial, and you want to be a trial lawyer, you want to sway your jury, you want to get the head and heart in alignment. And the way to do that is to speak to the heart, not to the head. The stats are never going to do it. But if you make me feel an emotion, and the way to do that is through stories. Stories have the ability, right? They say never judge a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Well, if you want your jury to sympathize with your client, that you're defending, you need the jury to walk a mile in their shoes and you need to tell the narrative. You need to let the jury know what is important, why they were thinking the things that they were thinking, what were the circumstances. And don't just detail the circumstances. It's not as as fictional as it is, and I know it's fictional. I want a, just a, a caveat and an asterisk on this to all of our lawyer audience. I know it was fictional, but if you want to see the perfect example of what I'm talking about, the speech in a time to kill is, is a thousand percent it. And it's so impactful because what does Matthew McConaughey's character do? He walks people through a jury and, or through a story. He takes them on a journey. And although he's giving detail, like he's, he's telling the, de- the details, he's doing it in a story format. And that's why it lands. If you were to just say. Such and such and such and such and this were these were the circumstances, and you know that innocent or guilty. No, but you walk. No, in- you
0: have to use all the adjectives, all the feeling, bring in all the emotion, and you know it's not unlike when we start branding a firm and we start positioning and talking about how that firm is different from from their competition. Oftentimes, when I start and I look at their websites, they'll just list their practice areas. So it's like. DUI attorney or uh, IP attorney and maybe the name of their city and it's like they just are just throwing out the facts with no adjectives no descriptors no emotion they're not connecting and getting that first impression of that relationship with the visitor in any way so instead of saying Uh, DUI attorney you need to you know kind of speak to those people who are coming to the to the website and talk to them with with all those descriptors that are going to let them know uh, why they should take take any more time on your website or with you or you know all of those things for the same reason you know you need to be explaining all the stories and all the feeling behind whatever it is that you're trying to present whether it's a trial or a presentation and Set aside all of that their usually their gut instinct is I need to just do all the case research and figure out all the details and all the facts behind all of this stuff and that's it. And then they that's, you know, where they leave it. So yeah, I think that is it's so important and it's probably the most common approach that that I see. Oh yeah.
1: Facts matter if you're doing a written report the majority of the legal work obviously you and i both know are gonna be it's gonna be passed around in in memos and and details and all that and it, that's fine for the written the the facts in that case matter and the more brief i mean there's a there's a reason they're called brief. why are briefs so long why <laughs> why why is a brief <laughs> <So true>. 72 <laughs> pages i don't understand that
0: because it's easier i i saw someone recently their their email signature was sorry for the long email i didn't have time to make it shorter and and that's that's the case for so many lawyers. It's like it's just easier to just vomit all the details out instead of trying to make it succinct.
1: Yeah. And I get that. And but if, I mean, if they want if they want to go on a nice little journey with their words. Use them for good instead of evil. Yeah. (laughs) Tell the story. Don't tell me the stats. Let me move my heart, not my head. And you would be surprised at just how effective you will be in any form of communication. And that goes, again, for those potential clients, whether that's on the website and it's what they're reading. One of the best things that I can give to any professional, whether they're a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant or any kind of professional firm. Why did you get into that practice to begin with?
0: Yes. Yes. Like. Yeah, because. That is, I mean, talk about speaking to their heart. Like that is at the core of how they define their identity. Yeah,
1: I mean, I know for me, I saw exponential growth in my business as a safety consultant grow. As soon as I said, the reason I am passionate about safety is because my father passed away when I was six years old and it was an avoidable, entirely avoidable, entirely avoidable accident, single vehicle, motor vehicle accident that didn't need to happen and was occupational health and safety related because he was fatigued from working 18 hour shifts for 10 days in a row, which is supposed to be illegal. And yet he was able to do it because he was self-employed and there's nobody to to go over that. And like, it just, you know, like these things don't need to happen. And so for me, when I say I'm personally invested because I know how devastating it can be to lose a loved one to something so innocuous, like nobody thinks about fatigue management. And yet that one thing could have saved my father's life. And it's one of the leading contributors to motor vehicle accidents. And in fact, fatigue has been shown to be more impairing than alcohol.
0: Oh, I believe that for sure. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Oh, I'm sorry to hear your story, but it does, you know, it comes to, once again, it comes to the heart of your work. And it really, all of a sudden, you know, it brings the emotion to it, whether people are comfortable with the emotion or not. I mean, there there is emotion, whether you want to believe it or not. <laughs> even even to our most ana- analytical of people, there's a reason why you're doing this work. There's a reason why you care about these clients and trying to dig into that and you know i'll admit i'm a very analytical person myself so trying to kind of bring in that emotion that is always typically a more challenging piece of it for me but it's critical because without it you're just you know it's just boring and nobody wants to listen to it okay so tyler as you know, our audience is full of tireless lawyers. So you don't have time for a book that's not worth it. And I know you have a couple recommendations. So let's talk about your recommendations for books that are worth it.
1: Okay. So, my favorite book of all time, because it's, it speaks universally as far as nonfiction goes, is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And oh. it can be applied on so many levels, whatever you're trying to do, whether whatever you're trying to accomplish it it's such a an eye-opening and enlightening read and it's an easy read it's not very long it's it's pretty easy to digest you can run through the chapters pretty quickly what's it about it literally incremental change oh i, love I mean that. we all understand like if i was to tell you compound interest you all under you know instantly what i'm talking about right one penny becomes two pennies becomes four pennies becomes eight pennies becomes 16 and eventually you're making millions of dollars and it, the iteration doesn't take long but it's all it starts with the incremental change it's just the small little things at the beginning that can increase a a, you know if you take an extra 200 steps a day over the course of the even a week you've taken 1400 more steps and then you start and then you start adding right he's like it it, he always uh, one of the analogies darren hardy puts into it is if you're trying to run a marathon and you've never run a marathon before don't go out to run 26 miles tomorrow try to walk to the end of your block and see how you feel
0: exactly and it's like the old phrase like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time yeah
1: yes (laughs) yes and and so the way that he puts it together is super easy to digest super easy to understand he tells a lot of stories in it to Show the examples. So whether you're talking about weight loss, whether you're talking about financial gain, whether, you know, whatever is within that goal setting spectrum that you're looking for, he has great stories to illustrate the points that he's making. And so for a thousand reasons, I recommend The Compound Effect compound by Darren effect.
0: Hardy. It sounds a lot. We'll link to that book. And then I know you have another one, but it sounds a lot. It reminds me of Malcolm Gladwell because there's a, a part of a couple of his books that talk about that compound effect and part and not part. One of the main reasons his books are so great is because his mother is an English teacher and he all of his books are stories. And so they just, they stick in your brain. So not only are they compelling, but the ideas are so much stickier because of the way he tells them. Okay, so what what other books
1: did you have? Uh, the, the next one is for anybody who's like, yeah, 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 nonfiction is fine, but I want my fiction book. My favorite book, and I read this book probably once a year, is called The Fool's Progress by Edward Abbey. Now, if you wanna take a masterclass on storytelling, The Fool's Progress is it. So it's semi-autobiographical. So the character is fictional, but a lot of it is based on Edward Abbey's own life. It is a tragic story. And one of the things why I think your audience in particular would enjoy it, and one of the things that I like about it, when you start the novel, within the second chapter you hate the protagonist there is nothing redeemable about this man (laughs) he is horrible (laughs) yeah by the end of the book you are weeping for him yeah you
0: never want to say goodbye (laughs) because you
1: understand (laughs) his journey and one of the things that i like the most about the book is the narrative converges so it starts off at the very first chapter is uh, the main character's name is Henry Lightcap, and he is he's young. He's barely six years old. And the second chapter is him present day. I think at this point- Oh, I love books yeah, like that. It kind of bops yeah, back and forth like between 62. present and yeah, past. present and yeah. past. And it is structured that exact way. You're, you're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until the last two or three chapters when everything converges and you're like, at that point, you you love him. And I think that's, that's one of the, the big keys is, you know- Sometimes good people do bad things and sometimes bad people do good things.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so important, especially for this audience who is working with all of those people on both sides. So that sounds awesome. And also I want to uh, mention your book. Mm.
1: The Power to Speak Naked.
0: Which ties into everything we've been talking about. So we will link to all three books on the show notes and the page and also in you know all the social media links and all that good stuff. Tyler, it was such a pleasure. Tyler Foley is the director of Total Buy-In, also the author of this great book we will link to. And thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. This was a great conversation. Oh,
1: Karin, it was my absolute joy to be on. And I look forward to coming on again if I can.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.